Hey, I'm Ben Silverio. I'm Aaron Klein. And I'm Ansel Birch, your host in post. And it's time to party. We are not doctors and we don't give medical advice. Please drink responsibly. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome to episode two, everybody. Thanks for coming back and or joining us. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I appreciate Welcome you. Welcome to this weirdos. wild world of time travel. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's so glad you could be here to talk about this 2009 gem, The Time Traveler's Wife. In this episode, we'll be talking about our feelings, how we felt about the time travel, things within the plot that <laughs> didn't make sense or whatever, and I'll be going on a tangent about how it's different from the book. So, you know, strap in, everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wild ride indeed. Oh. Uh, if, like me, you have not seen this movie... Um, here's a little synopsis for you, courtesy of IMDb. Uh, a Chicago librarian has a gene that causes him to involuntarily time travel, creating complications in his marriage. That's, yeah, that's generally what happens. Creating complications in his marriage is like, (laughs) I don't know, a simpler way to describe it. I don't think it's possible. That's a hilarious way to put it. Yeah. Who, uh, Ben, how did you feel there's about so this much? <laughs> yeah, wow. It's um. So I mean, as I mentioned in, I, I'm pretty sure I mentioned it in the first episode. Uh, my first big note about this movie is this is real creepy. <laughs> like, yes. like it's there are the a lot is. of really creepy moments. Yes, I agree. And I mean, yeah, I I spotlighted Henry as being creepy, but like. Claire is just as creepy. They're both super <laughs> like creepy. Like, she has some moments, too. They're both super creepy. Like, the longer their story goes on and the more you get into their life, and it becomes so apparent that they're... It's weird because their lives are intertwined asymmetrically. So one of them has way more information about the other one almost all of the time. And so it, it creates this, like, yep. really unbalanced relationship structure that is bizarre. And, like... The idea is that this is very romantic, that they're, like, destined to be together, but it comes across as, like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> like, it's it's very yeah. bizarre. Involuntarily traveling back through time naked and then talking to a little girl into giving him her picnic blanket. Right? It's real creepy. And her life. <laughs> I wrote down, oh my god, young child, don't shake this naked stranger's hand. Like, teach your children. It yeah. doesn't matter if they're nice. It doesn't matter if they... They don't need your help. Adults never need children's help. We should be teaching children this. Like, if he doesn't have a blanket to cover up his dick, don't go near him. That should be lesson number one. Like, it's... Uh, yeah. yeah. I, and I, like, remember yeah. being a young girl who was, like, infatuated with a grown man. If Now, if I remembered him entertaining that in any way, I would feel grossed out by it and so i'm glad that like the men i interacted with as children were appropriate adults <laughs> like it is just so weird to see this relationship like uh yeah and again i like this movie and it's still like a very very weird plot structure yeah later on he goes back and finds uh 18 year old claire in the in the same field mm-hmm. and starts making out with her mm-hmm. like come on what yeah. she's 18 you're 
what, she 28, looks 38? 18. She, he says, you looked about 18. He doesn't actually know that she's 18. That's the other thing. Like, this is just a grown oh, man. Oh, that makes it worse. Yeah, it definitely does. <laughs> it for sure does. Man. Yeah, it's, uh, yes. I don't remember exactly, but I think, I believe in the book, they sleep together when she is a teenager and that's when she loses her virginity because then when they meet after the library, she, she was like, I don't want the first time I meet you to be the time I lose my virginity. And so he like goes back in time and has sex with her in the past as like a consenting adult in the book because she's over 18. But again, he's like almost 40. It's really fucked up. Wow. It makes sense. Because even in the movie, I was like, she's never had a boyfriend. She's never interacted with anyone because she's known this man was going to come into her life. Is the time they meet at the library the first time she ever has sex? Because that's super fucked up, too. And I I believe in the book it's not the case in a different fucked up way. <laughs> oh, man. And I mean, it, on top of the, the creepy sexy stuff, like... He goes through her journal when she asks him not to. Yes. Like, that's a big red flag. Well, that's that's what I meant earlier, too, about the asymmetrical relationship. Like, I, as a person who keeps a journal, I told my husband, if I ever found out that you read my journal, that's a divorcing offense. Like, you do not do that. You, you don't violate someone's privacy in that way, especially when you've been told not to. Yeah. But also, he knows that she has, what, 24 years of history and knowledge about him, and he knows nothing about her. I get it. I understand why he would be like, um, I kind of need to know some of this stuff. Like he was right too. Like she remembers him telling her things in the past that the only way he would know that is if she told him those things and yet she's not supplying him with this information. So like, ah, it's creepy, but I, it's one of those, like, I feel bad for Henry moments. Cause like he's experiencing all of this for the first time when she's had decades of history with him it's just weird it's a weird asymmetric symmetricality of their relationship which leads to conflicts in their marriage yeah <laughs> yeah that's to put it lightly but oh, also like why did they pick love will tear us apart as their first dance and then sung so by broken hard. social scene like are you kidding it's very on the nose it's super on the nose yeah. Yeah, I also made God. a note about that. <laughs> it was really funny. Like and especially because at this point in the movie, like, you you understand that their relationship is fucked up and is gonna be really difficult, but you think that there's like hope at the because it presents as a romantic, not comedy necessarily, but like a, a romantic tale of people who come together despite this genetic deformity that causes him to spontaneously travel naked through time all the time. But then you like realize that it's not. It's actually like a full yeah. tragedy. And it's around that time where it's like, oh, this is kind of funny that they would use this. And it's like, oh, they're, they're telling us. <laughs> they're telling us that this is love will actually rip them apart. And like, it does. It does. It, I mean, I guess at this point, you know, it would be a good spot to talk about the differences from the book. Because mm. like. It, some of this stuff was just so, I don't know, wild, ridiculous. Mm -hmm. creep. There's a lot of ways to describe some of the stuff that happened to these two. But you said in the book it's a lot darker. Yeah, it sure is. Like, okay, so we were, uh, 
Ansel and I were discussing while you were uh, upgrading your microphone technology that it's weird how in the movie she, when he is in this like frostbite accident that she out of nowhere is like oh, he has to be able to run and like that's just like never brought up again this like really weird interjection about like that's the thing she's worried about and I was telling Ansel part of it is that they like visually want you to figure it out that like oh he gets dropped in this place and then has to run all the time and so that's where her concern is but the big difference that happens in the book that it the reason that that becomes a big deal they talk a lot in the book about how he runs every morning it's something that he never skips ever because he is worried mm. that he'll be dropped into this universe and then like oh i i broke my ankle and so then i'm dropped somewhere and i'll, I'll get the shit beaten out of me or i'll be like frozen outside or whatever so it's addressed a lot more in the book so when it gets to that point it feels a lot more uh organic and a lot more uh, understandable and they they talk to like on the morning of his wedding he went running he goes running the day that she's gonna give birth like he literally never skips it because he has to be able to run all the time in order to escape these people wherever he's dropped spontaneously but what happens in the book with the hypothermia incident is that he uh, does not keep his feet they amputate his feet and so he wakes up in the emergency room and has no feet because they've removed them without talking to the wife or him first. And they were like, we can't salvage them. So he just wakes up with no feet. And so then the end, the last part of the book is him trying to navigate, like, what the fuck do I do when I spontaneously time travel? Uh, spoilers, it's fucking bad. It does not go well for him. That's why he gets shot in the woods is because he appears with no feet in the middle of her woods and her dad fucking kills him. Also in the book... She knows that her dad kills someone and like it's a little more understood that she kind of understands what his end is going to be and why it happens. But he doesn't have that information like that's what it's so asymmetrical. It's like really fucked up. It's such a like horrible and tragic detail that he's killed by her father and like to add on top of it that he literally couldn't move because he has no feet in the book like. Here's the other thing. Here's the, the I made a note that I really wanted to talk about this. The biggest fucking difference between the book and the movie involving the no feet thing. So when they meet and she goes into his bathroom and finds the lipstick, they're not broken up. Though He's still dating that woman in the book and is like in an active relationship with her. And so they have to talk about inside of this context of him just spontaneously dumping this woman who he's been dating for like several years at this point. And so this woman gets dumped and she becomes like a, a sort of reoccurring character in the book. I can't remember what her name is, uh, but they talk about how she, she was really depressed afterwards and it like fucked her life up. And then like out of nowhere, she just commits suicide. She doesn't leave a note. No one can figure out why or what happened to her. And what happened to her is that after Henry loses his feet, he spontaneously time travels to her apartment and shows up naked with no feet in her apartment. She realizes what his deal is and goes, oh, do, is this what happens to you? Well, guess what? Fuck you. And kills herself in front of him. And then he spontaneously time travels away. Dark. It's a lot darker. <laughs> it is so fucked up. It is so ha fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Has anyone checked on Audrey Neffenegger since Dude, writing this book? Like I met her holy after crap. this. I went to a like a book like talk with her afterwards after the movie had come out where she like did a discussion about the differences of the book. She said that that character, the uh the 
ex-girlfriend who kills herself was her favorite character in the book. It was the character she most identified with as a character and like what being in that situation would feel like. So she was like devastated when they took it out of the movie. She she was like, I didn't have any script approval. Otherwise, I would have made them keep it. I'm like, what a different movie. Like, it's already really sad. Oh, it's already man. a really dark movie. But like, yeah, that the story with the ex-girlfriend like really changes the weight of what Henry goes through and like it yeah it's bad and it it's this weird like seed that they leave through the book too up until she does it they like talk about oh well I heard that she killed herself she never left a note we never figured out why and then he shows up in her apartment and realizes oh my god this is why she kills herself is because I'm here and then she does it and he's just like stuck there it's fucked up (laughs) Is super fucked up. Listeners, I wish you could have seen mine and Ansel's faces when Aaron revealed that because holy crap. This is so dark. Oh, wow, wow. Wow, this, wow. Yeah. wow, 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 you, wow. You thought, you thought spontane- spontaneously time-traveling fetus who comes out of the womb and miscarries it a bunch of times. You thought that was dark. You thought yeah. that was bad enough. Oh, no, no. Real bad. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It gets so much worse in the book. Oh, yeah. my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Halfway through my notes, I wrote in big letters, what? Question mark, explanation point. First, the bloody dude, then a time-traveling fetus. And I was just like, what? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, oh, man. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. mean, before I, I want to go on and talk about Claire specifically. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I wrote a question that I don't, I don't even know. Uh, Aaron, yes. is it a polyamorous relationship if you're dating multiple versions of the same person? Bro, okay, here's the deal. Another thing that they talk about in the book that they don't talk about in the movie is that that at the end where Alba is like teaching herself about time travel, Henry also does that. That's part of why his dad hates him because he walked in on Henry blowing himself as a child because that's what he used time travel for was to like figure out his sexuality and yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> what? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to need you to back up on that one. <laughs> Yes, correct. How old was he blowing himself? He was like 14 and 16. It was like, as a 14-year-old, he experienced it. And so then they talk about how, as a 16-year-old, he's like, well, I already did it, so I guess I don't really care. (laughs) And his dad, like, walks in while it's happening. And so that's how his dad figures out that he's a time traveler, is he walks in on his son blowing himself. Yeah. Yep. Why didn't they put that in the movie? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of reasons, but yeah, it's... Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of reasons, so but... That, so that is part of it with me, where when it's like... Okay, so Hen- like Henry gets this vasectomy because I think that he's right. He, he He's right. He, he cannot continue to do this to Claire. Like, it they were not going to be able to get through this pregnancy at that moment. Like, there, there was just no way they were going to... They needed this blow-up fight in order to get to the point where she would be like, I'm pregnant and you got to calm the fuck down and this is how it's going to happen. Like, they needed those sequence of events to have happened. But like I said before, he knew that he had sex with her. Like, he knew in the future, I'm going to have sex with an older version of my wife. Never thought to question, like, hmm, <laughs> what's the date? Maybe I should think about this. It's So I... I. And I think that's part of why when she says later, I didn't cheat on you, there's this understanding that he is like, he gets it. He understands, like, I fucked myself. I have had, 
is it masturbation if you blow yourself like or is it like there there's those lines are already blurry enough that i feel like she's right she was just having sex with him and he does come back and have sex with her at other times like as a teenager and has these like romantic moments with her is that him cheating on his present wife with her old self is she cheating on him with his old self like i think it all bleeds together enough that it's that this is just who they are this is at all points on the time spectrum <laughs> like whatever you're in the same room y'all can bang i guess <laughs> that's what it feels like like the lines are so like he comes back as an older man to marry her when she's younger is is he cheating on his wife as a current adult because he goes back and does this I don't think so. And I wouldn't count that as polyamory either because like they're that again, they just have this weird asymmetrical structure to their romantic relationship that it feels like whoever they're meeting in that moment is it's okay. Like <laughs> otherwise, how would they have this relationship? It would be impossible. Maybe they should have not had this relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's what it comes down right. to is they should not have done this. <laughs> which, which leads me to Claire as a person you know, uh, her father says to Henry that they didn't really prepare her for adult life. And I mean, who understatement? For real, for real. Also, like, how did you not know that your daughter was like meeting with a dude in the woods for like decades? Like, how did you not figure that out? Like, I understand yeah. it's kind of far away from their house. They show her running at the end, like that. It makes a little more sense that there's some distance, but also you never figured it out. <laughs> that She's been like having this secret affair with this like ghost man. Like no one figured it out. <laughs> I don't know. Her parents also The only person to who questions it. Yeah. In the, the only book, person. Did they identify him as her imaginary friend? I don't think so. I think that it's... That was the only justification I could come up yeah, with. Yeah, I don't... Yeah. I, it's possible that they talk... They, there's, like, a line about that, about the parents believing that she's, like, out talking to her friend or whatever, but I don't even remember it being, like, a super, like, sticking point on it. But I agree. I feel like that would be a good way to get around it. Like, oh, I'm just out talking to my invisible friend, Henry. Like, oh, sure you are, dear. Of course, of course. Like, no. <laughs> it's actually a grown man who's naked in the woods. <laughs> Yeah, the the only person who questions it is uh, Peter from Office Space, like oh, Gomez. Yes, uh, Gomez. Yes, yeah. yeah. Gomez is the only one who thinks to question this, right? And, but no one else in her life thought to bring this up at all. I like mean, his dad did in a really disrespectful way, but he was like, "Does she know who would have you?" Like those are legit questions. Like I'm, it's. It's bizarre, too, that everyone in their lives knows that he's a time traveler, but it takes them so long to put together, like, this already happened. Like, it's... Yeah. The reason that they're agreeing to get married to each other is because they're in a time loop. It's already happened. It will happen. It's happening in the past. And like we said before in the first episode, she could have chosen to say no and, like, at one point pretends yes. that she's saying no. But, like... In the context of this universe, as they've defined it for us, it's already happened. It, there's, They are fated to this oh. relationship together. Also, she goes through her whole character arc is this poor woman goes from I'm a child who I understand that I'm linked to this time traveler. Oh, he's my husband. I'm a time traveler's husband. And then he dies and she just becomes time traveler mom. Like her entire identity is fixed to these people who just disappear out of her life all the time. Like it is super fucked up. It's a terrible yeah. fate for a person. 
It really is. And like in the trailer, that moment where she jokingly says no is played off as like cute and playful. But when it happens in the actual movie, I'm just like, no, stay with your first answer. Yeah, for real. <laughs> like uh, that scene where she meets him in the library and he has no idea who she is my fucking nightmare imagine someone walking up to you and being like i've been in love with you my entire life like absolutely the fuck not like it nope red flag absolutely like it the fact that they end up together i feel like is a testament to the fact that in this universe fate is real like everything about their situation feels like both of them should be like "Ah, i don't know about all this this seems sketch as hell yeah i mean who uh you're supposed to think this is some grand romantic tale but by the end of it to me it's just like a cautionary tale you know like uh don't spend your life waiting yeah you know like hey here's all this stuff that claire did for henry with all this like downtime in between where she she's not with him don't do that yeah like And she spends so much of her life being jealous. As a child, she's jealous of his future wife. As the future wife, she's jealous of the time that he's spending with her as a child. Like, it, don't choose this path for yourself. (laughs) Like, break away from that. But it's not possible in this universe. Like, it, ugh. Claire! Oh, man. It's like, Rachel McAdams loves time travel. You know? Like, Mm -hmm. she's in about time which is another time traveling romantic tale uh but i love about time i've never seen about that, time that's oh man it's uh I'm, i won't talk about it now just in case we cover it eventually but i love it and she's great in it and then watching her in this i'm just like oh man that's a I felt like, that's a turn i felt like everybody <laughs> in this did a great job in like the roles that they were cast in. I didn't feel like anyone didn't feel like they fit into this universe, but it was just that this universe is fucking nuts. The, there's like, sure. We haven't really even talked about this. Like they, for not explaining a lot about what happens with Henry and like how exactly the like chrono problems with his genes happen. They do talk about the time travel triggers a lot, which I thought was interesting too. Like they kind of pepper those in throughout this, like, weird fucked up universe like tvs set him off if he's drinking it sets him off if there's too much stress it makes the baby time travel and i assume him as well like they they get really far into how how this starts to happen more and more as but it's like why why didn't you do anything about it <laughs> like way before i know the yeah, answer is that exactly like, gene therapy was not available really at this time but also like why is Henry so bad at time traveling? <laughs> like, how after... He's so bad. How after 40 years does he never get better at it? It's so... It's like, does it get locked in when you're a kid? And, like, this the spontaneous travel of and this trauma of this comically large fucking fireball explosion that your mom died in? Like, is, <laughs> is that trigger what makes it impossible for him to control it? And the fact that Elba is given this, like, serene environment makes it easier for the genes to code? Who knows? They don't fucking explain it. <laughs> it's so they unclear. don't <laughs> the rules are very unclear <sighs> oh it's the oh man i i don't know it's just this was a wild fucking ride yeah yeah it just, sure was <laughs> yes uh I, I know you've said repeatedly that you like this movie but 
I guess I'll just pose the question to you anyway. Is is the time traveler's wife worth your time? I think so. I think part of it is just because it's a very interesting story. It's not like any any other story I've like really ever read or seen in a movie because it, it is very bizarre and the way that their lives are tangled is so unique to this movie and this universe that I think that alone is worth watching. Uh, also, when you get to, <laughs> when you get to the scene where you realize that her baby time travels out of the womb, like that emotional moment, I think is almost worth it itself for watching the movie. Like you spend all this time building up to it. And then when it finally happens, you're like, oh, oh shit. So I feel like it's a, it is worth it in that sense. You have to be looking for this kind of movie, though. I would not go into this with, like, I want to watch a fun time travel movie. Not fun. I wouldn't say this is a fun movie by any regards. No. But, like, I've seen it twice now, and, like, I kind of want to reread the book now. Because after having watched this, I'm like, ooh, I'm in the mood for this dark-ass story. Oh. But, bro. <laughs> it's real dark. It's so dark. What do you think? Do you th- would you recommend this movie <sighs> to people? My first instinct is to say no, because mm, okay. it's so all over the place, and mm. it's so, it is incredibly unique. And, like, I think the reason why I would have sought this movie out is because I like unconventional romances that don't necessarily end in a happy ending. But this is just, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's a whole lot. It's, who It's like a, it's all- Like you said, if you're looking for... Yeah, like you said, if you're looking for, like, a fun time with time travel, this is not it. No one in this movie is having a fun time. Ever. Except maybe Alba. (laughs) Yeah, Alba has a good time, like, twice, and that's it. Yeah. Uh, Oh, another difference in the book, and this kind... I was just going to say, too, I feel like at the end, Claire is having a good time when he, like, comes back at the end. In the book, it's made much more explicit that okay so there's that line where he says to Elba when he's like sitting in the wheelchair I've been traveling a lot more lately and then they just don't go into what that means that you just kind of assume that it's all over wherever he's been in the book it's made explicitly clear that what happens is he spends all of that time knowing he's gonna die going into the future and meeting Claire until the end of her life so he remains in her life after he's died all the way up until she's like a 90 year old woman. And so she's never really freed from Henry ever. Like he, he remains, she, he never tells her I'm going to be here on these dates coming forward, but he just like shows up in her life, like a ghost who never leaves for the rest of her life, which I think at that point, Claire is having a good time sort of, cause she's like, well, my husband's dead and I don't have to live with the like shittiness of him just disappearing from my life every day. Instead, he gets to come into my life And you get the knowledge that, like, he spent all of this time at the end preparing for your life after him is romantic in a way, but then just not addressed in the movie at all. Like, I waited through the end of the credits thinking we were going to get a scene of Henry seeing her as an old woman. Like, even just a little bit of him, like, showing up at her bedside and, like, holding her hand while she dies. I felt like would have been a, a really nice cap to what a fucking sad story this is. And we just didn't get it at all for the movie, which I found really bizarre. Knowing this now, it makes me dislike the movie even more. It's weird. Like it's, it's a good adaptation. If you've never read the book, like there's just so much in the book that I, I understand why they left it out. This movie would be four hours long if they tried to include everything, but there are just things that are super important about it. That like, I would almost say, 
if you're thinking about watching this movie, maybe just read the book instead and then listen through to this. Yeah. Like it's, it, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, they made some weird adaptation choices. Definitely. Ooh. Yeah. Well, we promise you a ride. There you go. <laughs> you got it. There it is. We didn't say what kind of ride it would be. Right? <laughs> wow. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> That's episode two. Yeah, that's, yep. (laughs) Time Traveler's Wife in the books. Let's leave it on a high note. What are the most ridiculous things that happened in this movie? Oh, my God. Oh, man. (laughs) Henry fighting the dude in the alley in the, like, pink ruffly shirt and the shorts. I think that was one of them. I like that moment. I thought that that was, like, a a nice insight to what it probably is like for him most of the time. So I enjoyed that. But it it was very silly to, like, know as that person in your 40s in this like silly get up breaking into the army navy per- surplus store know that gomez knows that you're a time traveler and not think like this is the moment he finds out there's just so many moments with henry where i'm like you have to know you have to know when anyone approaches yeah. you for any reason that you've definitely met this person before and i feel like that was one of the most like insane things for me is that henry just again was so bad at time travel <laughs> never got so better bad. never got better oh my god <laughs> there's just so many ridiculous moments Bruh. and uh like the cop's face when he just disappears in the back seat <laughs> it's just like what <laughs> like uh. yeah uh old timey cop i get it old timey cop i get it i totally get it <laughs> also like i feel like one of the when we get introduced to elba and she's talking about, like, I got to see Grandma sing. Like, she goes back in time to see her grandmother sing in the opera. Henry can't do... Why do, Why can't Henry do any of this? <laughs> like, Henry says he can't control the places yeah. that he goes. And she's obviously special in that she can control it. But Henry talks about, like, milestone moments in his life being the anchor points that he's drawn, like, gravity towards. But then, like, why is he on the subway that day? How does he get drawn to that? But can't get drawn into, like, having interactions with his mother at different points in her life it just like doesn't make sense it's yeah. well and why why does he keep getting pulled back to his wife like what is it about her that anchors him so much right exactly there's got to be something and it's never addressed i think it's the loop though i think that's what we're supposed to think is like because she approaches him and is like i've already had this life with you he feels he can trust her and be himself his spontaneous time traveling self with her and so then that connection is formed and so he going forward in the present continues to go back to her but it's like what is there a chicken and egg here like what came first how did this gotta happen? be right yeah. like there we never get a satisfactory explanation for it other than time is immeasurable and goes on in in infinite like it, it's yeah it's it's bizarre <laughs> I'm trying to think of other bizarre things that have. I mean, him appear. Yeah, uh, also, it's... in the book, when he appears uh, shot, he has no feet. And so they know going forward that at some point his feet are going to get amputated, too. And that's another part of why he's like, I have to be able to run all the time. Like, I cannot. They're trying actively to fight his future and they never are successful at it. Like, that's, I think, a huge part of this movie is like no matter what you do your future is set forever i'm like boy is that depressing (laughs) what a depressing note yeah i know we're trying to go out on a happy note but like all of the bizarre stuff about this movie is the stuff that makes it like really sad everything about this movie is really depressing when you take a a deep look at it like 
why does he appear oh. naked inside of the zoo? Like, what? How did he get drawn to that gravity yeah. point? Like, how does is it is it Elba calling out to him from the future? Like, it none of that is explained. It, I mean, it's got to be, but yeah. <sighs> yeah, we just get this like yeah, half explanation I... of it's gravity. <laughs> like, is it? I don't think that's what that is. Is it? <laughs> oh, Man, I uh, had some pretty shots of Chicago, I guess. There were some really good shots in Chicago. I thought they did a nice job at that. And again, I really appreciate that they said that it was in Skokie and didn't try to trick us into saying, like, this is actually Chicago. Like, it's not. I know, right? There are no houses like that <laughs> in Chicago that are available for only $5 million. Like, that's insane. <laughs> Absolutely not. At first, I was like, this is Evanston. Actually, fun fact, it was shot in Toronto, so it's like not even Skokie. It's actually Toronto, which mm. makes sense for why it's so beautiful and also like spacious in the estate for rich people. Mm. <laughs> not for the regulars. I know Toronto is also very expensive and crowded. Uh, man. Man. This, <laughs> this, uh, it's been a time. It's been a time. Uh, mm-hmm. It's been a time. It was a party. I I don't know what kind of party. (laughs) Sometimes you want to have a sad party. We never said up front what kind of party we were having. We just said it was time to party. Exactly. And you know, sometimes you want to have a sad party and that's okay. (laughs) This is the movie for you if you're looking for a sad party. Let me tell you. It really is. Something about Eric Bana and being sad just happens a lot. I don't really... uh, I don't really have anything against Eric Bana. I don't. I think he's just like spectacularly bland in lots of ways. But like, I also thought yes. he was a really well cast Henry. I felt like he's good looking, but not good looking to the point where you're like, this is unbelievable that this good looking man appears naked everywhere and people just don't notice him sometimes. But also like good looking enough that you're like, I can see why this young woman who's never been exposed to another man in her whole life it feels like would be drawn to this person. Like he he fits inside of that I think really well. He's he's very good casting in this. Although it is very funny when he tries to look sad lots of times. You're like, oh man, Eric Bana, you've never been sad in your whole life. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) that blandness I think made me think... uh, at some point during the movie that he would have made a good Superman. I could see that. Like, I think he would have been a way better choice yeah. for Clark Kent than for fucking Bruce Banner. That, that makes way more sense. He's got that look. Yeah. Oh God. Everything about that Hulk movie was just real bad. Bro. I've real, I've... real bad. But his last name was Banna. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that That's, they just figured he was a shoe in at that point. Right? They were like, that's the same, right? That's how that's how movies work. Like, yeah. Sharp. <laughs> you got it, dude. Oh, man. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for coming to this sad party and talking about Time Traveler's Wife with us. Uh, if you would like to talk more about this sad-ass movie or things that you found particularly confusing about this very weird time travel plot, please feel free to reach out to us on the internet using the hashtag Time2Party. That's time, the number two, party. Yes, and you can find us on the internet as well on Twitter and Instagram. I am at BSilverio20. And I am at NYDUrgency on Instagram. I'm at the Indecisionist on Instagram and Indecisionist on Twitter. Special thanks to April Mor- Ralba for our podcast art and to Marlon Longid of Marlon and the Shakes for our fabulous theme music. This has been an Indecisionist production. We will see you in episode three. Yeah, hopefully it's a more fun party than this one, you know. 
<laughs> oh, you mean we in an episode where we won't be talking about spontaneous fetus time travel? It might be a little happier. I don't know. Sounds made up to me, but maybe we'll see. Will there be an implausibly large explosion? <laughs> there might have to be now. Yeah, exactly. Come to Edutainment and find out if we manage to blow something up in a spectacular way that makes no sense. Uh... <laughs> Meanwhile, blow up our inboxes. Ah. That's right. Until then be excellent to each other <laughs> party on dudes sad party yeah sad party it, <laughs> right, it's like an it's, it's like, like an cello. air bass yeah i was gonna the say air cello yeah, there you go like sad cello <laughs> <laughs> i hope everyone oh, knows man. that we definitely made those motions with our hands we adjusted from air guitar <laughs> to air cello just, just so everybody knows call marlon and see if he'll do it in minor <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fuck. <laughs> All right, bye, everybody. Oh, man. <laughs>